this morning, I, who, if you don't have a handout, um, lift your hand. We want to make sure, because there's a, a lot of stuff today I want to kind of go through quickly. So we've got some hand, uh, hands up around the room. Yeah. If we could just, because uh, I want to just kind of um, go through this. It's a lot of information, but it's all contained pretty much in one chapter in, in um, Romans chapter 8. And to be honest with you, I preached this message to the youth when we were pastoring the youth. But obviously it's grown and it's kind of taken on a different life. But it's the same message. And that is, is that God's called us and equipped us to live a life that is, that is uh, supposed to be positive. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Another week we'll talk about uh, the ultimate lifestyle is a life of generosity. Another one is uh, the ultimate lifestyle is, uh, golly, a life of love, that we show love. It's not something we just kind of in and out, it's we live. You know, when somebody says, you know, well, God loves you because, well, here's why, because God is love. It's not something he has to conjure up. And, and it's the same thing with us. I don't think that God has to conjure up, if that's the right word, uh, a positive outlook about your life, a positive view of our lives. God is a positive and optimistic God. You know why? Because he's in charge, and he knows the beginning from the end, and he can change whatever needs to be changed. He can open paths and close doors and raise up walls and tear down boundaries. He can do whatever he needs to do. So we're going to kind of go through this. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to make reference to some verses here. And so let's just uh, get going here. Okay, first of all, let me just say this. Most people, there's about what? Seven to eight billion people on the planet. Most people, and I don't know them all, but I know quite a few. <laughs> Most people, and just from my observation of, you know, being in different countries, even in this country, around town and around this country and around the world, most people don't really know how to live. And when I say that, I mean they live on survival. They live on enduring. I'm just putting up with it until this is over. They live with a sense of dread for tomorrow. They live with the sense of, I don't even know, you know, how I ended up here. I don't even know what the future holds. But God wants us to live with a positive outlook, live positively. I need this message today. And probably the reason I'm preaching it to you is because I started looking it over this week because I need to have a positive outlook on the future, on my day, on my life, on the church, on all things, I just want, because here's the deal. I could live with a pessimistic outlook. That's easy. How many of you find it hard to find a pessimistic outlook? Anybody? Some people do, but not most people. Most people can, can find a pessimism, a, a, a downer outlook on things that fast because it's just human nature. But God is a God of, of positivity. He has a positive outlook on things. Jesus, the Bible tells us in John 10, 10, that Jesus came to give us life. What kind of life was that? It was the life abundant, uh, the life to the fullest, it says, to the fullest, not just to get by, scrape by life, but a life that's above the norm. What's the norm? It's what the world says is okay. Well, this is okay. God wants us to live up here. And it's a choice that we do make, but we have to know how to make that choice. So Jesus didn't say that I came to give you religion or rules or regulations. I came that you might have life, the God kind of life. 
the kind of life that's eternal, but also the kind of life that we live every single day on this planet that is, it's, it's sweet, it's hopeful, it's full of, full of good things. Do we go through bad things? We'll talk about that. Sure we do. But on the other side of all things, let's, let's get going. I don't want to preach around this message. Let me just preach what, I'm, what I need to preach. I read an article yesterday. Actually, this article, I think, came out in July, and it was uh, something called something along the lines of uh, learning how to live the optimistic life. And it was by some, some lady. And anyway, I just read through it. And, of course, they were talking about uh, the benefits of optimism. And they listed these things. And they were from tests and, and, and studies that they had done. And it says that the results of, okay, the first one was uh, uh, better, uh, to live an optimistic life gives you better health and better outcomes when you live optimistic. I have talked to different people in the medical field and over the years know some of them, and they've even told me when I went to get my hip replaced back when, uh, as we're talking, I'm saying, well, yeah, I'm expecting this, I'm expecting that. I go, well, you'll do fine. I say, I, I, yes, I will. And they say, well, no. I'm saying because when you're optimistic and you expect good, a good comes. But if you're looking for, oh, I, this, you're, we're pessimistic, well, this could happen and this could happen, you dwell on that, you think about that. So having an optimistic outlook is, it gives us a better uh, health outcome. It gives us better mental health. When you're thinking that God is in control, when you know, not just thinking when you know it, it gives us a higher motivation for doing whatever it is that God's called us to do. Let me say this, when I try to lose weight and I'm pessimistic, just break me up another chunk of that Kit Kat bar. Forget it. You know, I'm just like pessimistic. What's the point? I'm just going to get another one. I'm going to get a box of chocolate-covered cherries. Not just one. I'm going to get a box. So it gives us a a higher motivation. Uh, It gives us a longer lifespan. We live longer when we're positive, when we have a positive outlook on life. And it lowers our stress levels. And so, you know, uh, people don't like to be around others that are negative. I'm just going to be honest. We, We will. We will, I know that's true because people get around me when I'm in a negative mindset and a negative attitude. But it's much better when we're positive, when we can see the good, we can speak up about the day, the week, the month, the days ahead. And so I've heard people say this. They'd say, you know, all you Christians, you're just kind of like hope addicts. You're hope addicts. You just believe that the best is going to happen. Listen, this is the world, man, and this is bad. It's like, you know what? I'm believing that our best days are ahead. People have told me, why do you always say that? Because I do. Because I believe our best days are ahead. Were you saying that better than the ones behind? Yep, absolutely. As opposed to, well, I think our best days are behind us. That's what the children of Israel thought. It would have been better had we died in Egypt rather than been out here trusting God, moving forward. And so uh, we need to have an optimistic, uh, positive outlook. And it's not just mind over matter. It's based on something other than I just, I'm just not going to think negative about that. That's a good way to start. But you got to have a foundation. We have to have a foundation of something. And God's word is the foundation. We have to build our positive lifestyle on. And so let me just kind of move forward. Now, the key phrase in this particular verse is this, in Christ. That's the key phrase, in Christ. Because, you know, for me personally, when I came to Christ, my life changed. And when I would read something in the scripture, I'd go, that's mine. I'd read something else, oh, that's mine. I was taught to claim what the word of God says as mine. But what if you don't feel it? It's still mine. 
I'm still going to claim it. I'm still going to embrace the word of God, the promises of God that he's given. So the, the key phrase is in Christ. We, we need to be in Christ. We need to be born again. I became in the position of being in Christ. Uh, it was October of 1972. I got, I, I, I got received Christ, and I basically asked him to come into my life. And my position from that point, so we call it being a Christian, and that's fine. I became a Christian. I was born again in 1972. But you know what happened? I was in Christ, meaning I was included in everything that the word says that God promises for his people, for his children. And so in Christ is a a very important thing that we need to take. So why would God do that for you? Because I am in Christ. That's why I'm in Christ. Okay, so as a Christian, God made it possible for me to live a life without condemnation. Condemnation is is horrible. It's miserable. It's this thing. God doesn't give condemnation. God doesn't condemn us. Romans 8, chapter 1, it says, therefore there is now no, everybody say no, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, it says now, there is now. It implies that there used to be condemnation. What was the condemnation? I wasn't in Christ. I was living outside of the mercy of God, outside of forgiveness from God, outside of Christ, outside of God. But what changed? Jesus changed that whole thing, the whole situation. And he invited me. I heard the message and I stepped in and I was welcomed into Christ. I am in, we are in Christ if we are born again. This word implies that there used to be condemnation but there's not now. And what changed? And how did it change? Well, let me say this. The mission of Jesus, when Jesus came to the earth, his mission was this. We know verse, verse 16, 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, uh, that whosoever believes on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. But 16 and 17 gives us a clear understanding of the mission of Jesus. And it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come with condemnation in one hand and love in the other. And he, well, let me see who wants what. He came with love. He's the love. He is the, the, the manifest love of God. The manifest love of God. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. That wasn't his plan. But to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Well, that's me. But let's read on. It says, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. I was condemned by my sin, by my, by my choices in life to reject and to live for myself. I was condemned before I came to Christ. It wasn't a choice of God. It was my choice. But it was also my choice to receive Christ. So he says, uh, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. That's why it's critical for us to share the hope that we have, to talk about the gospel of Christ, to tell about the love of God. So we as Christians, here's, here, here, this should give us encouragement. You might go, I knew that. It's not about knowing, knowing it. Yeah, you like that? It's not about that you knew it. It's about knowing it and embracing it and thinking it through for your life. I'm not condemned. The devil would come to me every single day when I stumble, when I fall, when I make a bad decision, when I do something that... I regret, oh, yeah, you you call yourself a Christian? Have you ever had somebody do that? Oh, you call yourself a Christian? Well, that's really up to you. All I know is I'm in Christ, and I'm going to ask for forgiveness. 
for the things that I do that are not right, the things that I fall short. And so uh, basically, here's the fact, and you can write this down too. It's on that paper. Here's the fact. God is not angry with you. God's not angry with you. There's people that preach an angry God. God is angry. He's angry because of your sin. He's no. The Bible says that he poured out his wrath on Jesus for us. It says he crushed Christ on our behalf because he was angry with your sin. No, with the separation, with the choices that that mankind had made, he crushed Christ. But let me just say today, August the 15th, 2021, God's not angry with you. As a matter of fact, people that are not born again, he's heartbroken over that. He's not mad at them. He's heartbroken. God's not angry. God is doing everything he can to pull people to himself. Your family, your neighbors, your enemies, whoever it is, he's doing everything. He's done everything that he can do to pull people to himself. And so uh, there's absolutely and positively and without any question, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. None. Okay, let's go on. But remember, the in Christ part is the, is the, is the qualifying factor, as it were. Okay, the second thing is, is that we can live a life without domination. Have you ever felt like, I remember when my, when my brother and I were growing up, and, uh, you know, I was going to do things, and he'd go, no, you're not. I go, what do you mean? Yeah, no, you're not. And I was a little guy, you know, and he was just a little bigger, but he was bigger than me. No, you're not. And I just remember sometimes he would close the door, lock me out, do whatever. No, you're not. No, you're not. And I'm going to go with you. No, you're not. Uh, you know, I, I don't mean that. I'm sure we've all experienced that on that level. But the thing is, is as we grow older, we feel this domination of depression and of oppression over things that we feel like we have no control over. I don't want to be oppressed. I don't want to be in a place of being boxed up. And so Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. He has set me free. Some people think, well, I've got to overcome this. You don't overcome sin. I'm just telling you. Now think about this. Don't don't turn me off. You don't overcome sin. You get set free from it. You get forgiveness for it. And then you begin to walk in the grace of God. You begin to walk in the love of God. That's how we can begin to live positively. God has set me free. See, I know that there's people that, you know, struggle with addictions. They struggle with all kinds of stuff. God still loves them. But the message he wants them to know is that I have set you free if you're in me. And then from that point, we begin to put the word in us. We begin to, to gird our heart up, strengthen our heart, put the word inside of us. This is who God says I am. This is what God says my future is. And then a no becomes easier, a no, to say no to things that feel like that they have uh, oppressing you, the, uh, dominating your life. Nothing really, God has, God has set us free from the law of sin and death. There's people that are afraid of death, and I, I, guess, I guess I can understand you know, people being intimidated by the unknown, but the truth is we do know. The Bible tells us that God, Jesus went ahead and he prepared a place for us uh, that we're going to go be with him one day. And it's like, well, but the transition, the, you know, the changeover from this life to the next, I know, maybe that could be a little bit whatever, but the truth is I lean on what I know. 
I'm not going to let fear dominate my life. I'm not going to let things that I'm not sure of dominate what I do know. I do know this, that Jesus made a place for me, if that's my fear. I do know this, that God will give me strength and grace every single day to overcome things that are trying to keep me down. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, now this is the NIV, and it says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, let me tell you what the Spirit of the Lord is. He's inside of me. And if you're born again, he's inside of you. So there's freedom here. Freedom for what? Freedom to live free. There's liberty to live free in un, an undominated, unoppressed life. Romans 8, verse 5. This is out of the Good News Translation. Let me just read this. It says, to have your, to have your mind controlled by human nature results in death but to have your mind controlled by the Spirit results in life and peace. So who are we going to allow to control our life? That's what we have to decide. And so the, 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 the fact here is, is that I don't have to be controlled by anything except God. I don't have to be controlled by anything. You don't have to be controlled by anything when you're controlled by God, when we allow God to control and to direct our lives. He will walk us right out and right into peace and life and wholeness, right out of uh, destruction and, and things like that. Number three, the life, God, when we're in Christ, we can live a life without desperation. Do you know people that are desperate? I read this quote the other day, and uh, this quote says that most people live lives of quiet desperation. We see it in them. You know how I know? Because I can find myself there sometimes in different situations. You're sitting in line. I went down yesterday, <laughs> and maybe this is not a good illustration, but it's the best one I got right now. I went down yesterday to, uh, Dana wanted something from, anyway, I had to go get down and get in line. And man, there must have been 25 cars in front of me. It was a drive through And I'm sitting there, Rachel was with me, and I'm thinking, okay, now I'm going to exercise patience. How do you exercise patience? You get yourself into situations where you have to be patient. You know, and so I'm thinking, all right. And so I get up there, and the guy, you know, it was at In and Out. And so this guy comes up, and he's got the thing, and he says, "Yeah, what can I help you with?" I said, "Dude, I want just a single hamburger uh, this way." You know, just what it was one thing. And he goes, "That's it?" And I say, "Yeah, that's it." And he says, "You'd be faster just to walk, park right there, and walk in and get it." I'm thinking, "Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I was patient that long, and the Lord delivered me." But but I guess the thing is, is desperation sometimes. We find ourselves in desperation. I've got to have this now. I've got to do this right now. This has got desperation. I don't know how this is going to work out. We live lives of desperation. And here's the thing. See, here's, every person deals with this. Every single person does. And so if we go, yeah, yeah, I know all about that. So what? Everybody deals with it. Well, here's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 18. It says, I consider that this present suffering is not worthy, is not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, whatever you are going through right now, it's difficult, yeah. It's a struggle, yeah. But here's the thing. If you would stop and think about what's coming, what, what God has in store for us, whether it, be in just, whether it be in eternity or even on the other side of this circumstance. You know, when Jesus looked at the cross, the Bible says he looked beyond the cross he looked beyond the cross for the joy. It says, for the joy that was set before him, 
he looked beyond the cross. So was it the cross that was the joy? No, it was beyond the cross. He saw us. And he endured everything he had to endure. He endured everything. Why? Because he knew that we were desperate and he's created something for us. He prepared a place for us. But not just in eternity, even in this life, whatever you're going through, God will help you. He'll help you get through it. He will help you get through it. It's not something. There's two things that give us hope. Number one, we're going to get a new body. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that. How about you, bro? <laughs> we're going to get a new body. Man, I'm excited about that. And then the second thing is, is that we've got the Spirit of God living inside of us, and he, the, the Scripture says that he prays for us. He prays for us when we don't know what to pray. He prays through us. He prays for us. When we pray in the Spirit, when we pray in tongues, when we pray uh, as we allow the Spirit of God to pray through us, here's what happens. I don't know what to pray. You ever been in that place? I don't know what to pray. Things are so out of control. Well, God, just change everything. Hmm, probably not going to happen. I don't know what to pray. Then I pray in my, in my prayer language. Jude, Jude chapter, Jude verse 20, one verse. It's one chapter. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Allow the Spirit of God to pray through you. That will cause you to become built up, and that will cause desperation. I don't know what to do, but the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God knows exactly what to do. God never promised us a stress-free or a promise-free life, but he did promise that he would go with us, whatever we go through, never leave us and never uh, Abandon us. The, the, the fourth one today, this is all out of chapter 8. Uh, when, Christ, when we have Christ in us, we can live a life without miscalculation. How many times, and don't raise your hand, how many times have we felt like we were a mistake? I'm a mistake. I've been told I was a mistake. I've been told that, you know, I'm a person that was born out of time. I shouldn't have been. I've been told, oh, I've been, all these things that basically I don't even know why I'm here. We were with a we were with the team when we went to Australia the very first time. And uh, we went, met a guy there. We had a guy there, and he joined us and went with us. And we were sitting there, uh, you know, after we had been working like, working like crazy, passing out flyers and doing all kinds of things. This was in 1987. And as we're in there and we had done all this, and, man, we're, we're beet red. I mean, we're just fried. It was August. And, of course, it's not, it's not hot there in August, but it's definitely sunny. It's like being in San Diego. It'll fry you to a crackly crunch, and it'll be 75 degrees. But we were just so tired and exhausted. I remember we were sitting there at this, uh, together at this place, and this one guy, because he struggled with so many things, and he thought, well, going on this trip's going to change my life. And, you know, I believe that that can happen. But he gave in to the part of him that says, and this is what he said. He said, just after a, two weeks, two and a half weeks of ministry, he said, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even know. Kind of like, this was a mistake. This was a mistake. I want you to know you can live a life without miscalculation. God is not a God of making mistakes. You are not a mistake. What's going on in your life right now, God didn't cause everything that's going on. But you know what he does? He weaves through your life. He'll take the problems and the struggles that you have, and he'll weave through your life things that are going on in your life, and you'll go, how can I ever overcome this? How can I ever be restored from this? So God never makes a mistake. Uh, he takes our mistakes, and he uses them to bring us to a, to a better place. He doesn't cause them, but he'll use them. Uh, verse 28, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know. Everybody say, we know. 
do we really know? Do we know this or do we just, we just read that? Well, it says we know, I guess we do. Either you know it or you don't. We know what? We know that all things, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. We know. How do I know that? Because his word says it, because I just read it. But knowing it now and embracing it when I go through those times where I feel like that, man, I think maybe I should have, I should have chosen another career. Maybe I shouldn't have gotten married. Maybe I shouldn't have done, maybe I should, maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have. You know what? In those times we step back and say, you know what? God is weaving everything in my life together for his good. He will accomplish his purpose because that's who he is. And so the fact on this is that, that God has a purpose behind every problem. He has something, a purpose behind it. He doesn't cause the problem, but he'll use it. I mean, I do that. I would do that in my yard when I do landscaping. I'd be out there and I'd be doing some things. I'd be digging. I'm thinking, I don't even know why I dug that hole, man. I mean, I know I was planned, but, it's, but I'll incorporate it. I'll figure out some way to use it. I, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. Oh, that was the plan all along. You know, God doesn't, God's not surprised by the things that happen in our life, but he's also not shocked when things go a certain direction because God has the ability to reshape and to remold and to refocus our lives if we are in him and if we are allowing him to direct our lives. For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That's the reason we can be positive. Not a mistake. It's not an accident. It says we know. It doesn't say we hope. Fingers crossed. I hope. I know. I know without a doubt. Number five, we can, when we are in Christ, we can live a life without intimidation. I hate being intimidated. I hate it. I hate feeling when I step into something. I, uh, I mean, I can tell you times in my own life, but you know what, what it's like to step into a room and, and somebody's got the floor or it's somebody else's environment and they're mad at you or they don't think you have a right. And so it's like basically we have to kind of back down. We feel like, well, I can't, can't speak up. I can't listen. We can live a life without intimidation. Well, what if I share the hope that's inside of me? What if I move forward and I, well, you know what? What if it makes somebody mad? Um, that's not my goal. My goal is not to make people mad, but my goal is to be heard. I want to be heard. I want to do what God's called me to do. Verse 31, it says, uh, what then shall we say in response? If God is for us, who shall be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, a lot of people can try. But if God is on our side, if God is with us, well, if I'm in Christ and I am allowing him to control and move my life, then you know what? I can live a positive life. I can get up today. I can get up tomorrow and know that I, well, I got to go do this. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm going to walk in without intimidation. Well, I've never done that before. I'm a little intimidated. Well, walk in and say, I don't know. I'm just here going to represent God. I'm going to do what it is that the Lord instructs me to do. As well, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. So the fact is, is I don't have to fear anything except God. Now, I would advise you, there's a thing called wisdom. We get confused with fear. Wisdom is like stepping out in front of a, a semi. That's not just fear. That's wisdom. Don't do that. But I'm talking about fear, the fear of man, the fear to try something new, the fear to step into what it is that God's calling us to do. 
man, we don't have to be intimidated by any of that stuff. And number seven, and this is the ultimate probably in my book, because we can live, uh, you know, fearful. We can live with all these things in life, and we can survive and get through life. And at the end of our life, God says, okay, it's time to come home. And he's not going to go, what did you, why did you live in intimidation? Why did you live dominated? Why did you live with all that condemnation? I don't think he's going to do that. But I believe that this is the ultimate because we will leave this world at some point. We're going to leave this world at some point. That's not a depressing thought. That's an exciting thought. Man, we're living our lives in Christ that one day we will be with him. We can live a life without separation. In this life, we don't have to be separated from God. You know, if you feel separated from God, that's something that you or I have allowed to come between us and God. Romans uh, 8, verse 35 through 39. Let me read this. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we, we face, day all, face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, he says, no, none of this can separate us. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. Everybody say, I am convinced. You know what? That's a nice statement. But the only way you can be convinced is you got to get it in your heart and say, you know what? When I went to bed last night, I knew God loved me. When I got up this morning, my feelings were saying, not so much. I'm thinking, I don't really care what my feelings say. I don't really care what other people say about my relationship with God. I don't care what circumstances say about my relationship with God. Because here's the thing. Nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Let me finish reading this. He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither things present or nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in Christ. Now, here's the thing. A lot of these things, we read a lot of these things today, a lot of different things. It's not enough to go, okay, I believe in there it is, throw that away. I would encourage you to take Romans chapter 8. And along with your devotionals that you do, if you're doing a Bible reading, don't not do that. But I would take these every single, take one a day or take every day and have a quick look at it and tell yourselves, you know what? I have no condemnation. I don't accept any condemnation. You got to get it in your heart. Why? Because it's the word of God. I'm not going to be dominated by anything. I'm not going to be dominated. I'm not going to be intimidated by anything. That doesn't mean I got to be a bully. It just means I'm going to stand my ground. God is with us. He is with us. He is in us. If you can grasp the truth of this, if we can grasp the truth of this chapter, then we can begin to live positively. We can begin to live a life of positivity knowing that I'm going to get up, I'm I'm going to encounter some problems. Well, God's still with me. God's still on my side. God still loves me. Uh, You know what? A sickness and disease may try to come, and here's the thing. It doesn't have any power over my life because God is is with me. He's with me. It's not enough for me to pray for you. It's not enough to have everybody in the church pray for you. You have to say it with your mouth. I am a son of God. I am a child of God. I'm a daughter of God. Whatever it is. And I 
have, there's no condemnation that can control my life. There's no domination. There's no intimidation. There's no separation. There's none of this that can control my life because this is who I am. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. Let me take a second.